Well, for the rest of us here today, we are heading back again to the Torah, back to those first five books of our Bible. More specifically today, again, back to Genesis. Genesis today, we're going to pick it up in chapter 47, 37, if you're grabbing a pew Bible, page 37, if you're grabbing a pew Bible. And of course, as you are probably aware, the words will be on the screen behind me. Chapter 47 marks the closing portion of Genesis. It's the last Parsha, the final, the, the last of the 12 Parshiot in, in Genesis. As we continue working our way through the Torah, working our way through Parsha by Parsha, working our way through what I have been calling the Jesus backstory. The backstory that is the Torah. Again, Jesus being the fulfillment of the whole of the Torah. And what has been throughout all about life and relationships. All the way back to, if you remember several months ago now, Parsha Bereshit. Right, even in that first Parsha we learned that, that at the core of our humanity, right, it is all about relationships. We could say we were created in and by and for deep connection. And we see that that idea of the relationships and, and deep connection flowing all throughout. Most recently, the last couple of weeks, in the story of Joseph, beginning back with, if you remember, Parsha Vayeshev. Right, which is, again, all about relationships, but as we've seen, it also includes the, the hard stuff, right, the difficult stuff, all the sorts of ways that we go sideways, all the sorts of ways that we are at odds. We can think Parsha Mikates. We can think about all the things we say and the things we don't say, the things we do, the things we don't do. And with that today, then we pick up here in the next Parsha, Parsha Vayahi, begins at 47 and 28 and runs through the end of Genesis. Noting by way of transition, Parsha Vayigash ends with 4727 where we read now the israelites settled in egypt in the region of goshen and of course we'll get to more of that in the story of exodus in the book of exodus they acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number and then 28 today we read jacob by a he and he lived jacob in egypt 17 years and the years of his life were 147. Vayehi, from the Hebrew, it's translated here as lived. It can also mean to recover or to revive. It's this idea of renewal and, and, and restoration. And we can think back again to the start of the Joseph story, Parsha Vayeshev, right? And there was that Lashon Hara, right? There was that bad report, that evil report. Joseph bringing this report, the, the, this derogatory and harmful report, right? Lashon Hara being any derogatory or harmful speech. And Joseph brings Lashon Hara to Jacob regarding his brothers, and partly in response then, his brothers throw him into a pit, they sell him into slavery, where he finds himself then imprisoned in, in Egypt. Point being, it's, it's a story filled with all kinds of conflict and animosity. It's dispute and disagreement. It's, it's quarrel and it's, and it's argument. But now that has all changed, as we saw last week with, with Parsha Vayigash, right? Then Judah, Vayigash, we, re, we read, drew near. 
right, came close to Joseph. And so we, now we can think intimacy. We can think Parsha Bereshit, right? We can think deep connection. And as we saw last week then, all of that, that, that intimacy and that connection, all of it centered in the, in the attitude and the posture and the practice of a servant. All of it finding its heartbeat in, in the way of a in the way of a servant. And now today we read, we read of life and of recovery. We read of, of renewal and, and, and restoration. And as we see it come to pass, it comes to pass here in 49 and 1. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, gather around. He said, gather around. And verse 2, assemble and listen. And so where there was conflict and, and argument and dispute and quarrel, there is now, there is now, what is he, he says, gather around, assemble. Now there is renewal and there is, is restoration. Listen, we read, to your father Israel. And so again, where there has been conflict and animosity, there is now restoration and renewal. Right? This marks the renewal and restoration of relationships. This marks the, the renewal and restoration of of, of the community, what, what, what is Vayahi, right? What is the life of relationships and, and community? A community that finds its heartbeat right here in chapter 49. Chapter 49 is largely the story of Jacob, the blessing of Jacob being given to his 12 sons. Right again, Jacob gathering around, bringing each of his sons around, offering each a, a blessing. Now, 49, I'm not going to read all of it. We're not going to go piece by piece. I do want to take like a 3,000-foot view. You can read the details later. But in fact, the blessings of Jacob, it's interesting because those blessings of Jacob, they don't really all feel like blessings. In fact, in many respects, the, the quote-unquote blessings don't read like blessings. They they read more like rebukes. But it's in that that we find there is this joining, this bonding, this uniting. We find this community, this inextricably bound together community. As Rabbi Alex Israel writes, regarding Genesis 49 and the blessings of Jacob, he says, this is not for blessing. Interesting. He said, this is not for blessing, nor is it for moral correction, nor to tell the future. It is to explain and inform the community. This approach stresses unity. But this unity is not a unity through conformity and uniformity. The togetherness that Jacob proposes for his children is one that takes account of the differences. In fact, Jacob goes a step further. The family will be built precisely because of the tribe's differences. It is the unique nature of each tribe which will build a stronger Israel. And it's interesting because it is precisely that sort of unity within our differentness that is all over the life and teachings of Jesus, most notably... Again, what is interesting is we find it in the Gospel of Mark 9 and, and 38. And if you remember from, from last week, it was Mark 9 and 35 where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and 
teaching them about the way of a servant. And what's interesting is that directly following that story, Mark goes to this story that we're going to, to read. Right? Straight off, he goes to this story. It's almost like, it's almost like he knows the Torah. It's almost like, it's almost like Mark knows the Joseph story. We could say it's almost like, like Mark knows the Parshiot. And the very next thing Mark writes, following that story of, of Jesus' teaching about the way of a servant, we read, Teacher. Teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop. And then here's the reason why. He says, because he was not one of us. Right? That we, we, could, we could translate that and say, because he's not like us. Right? He's not one of us. He's not, he, he doesn't walk like us. He doesn't talk like us. He doesn't look like us. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't, he doesn't do life like us. And in a way similar to that ancient Hebrew story, Jesus says, no, no, no. You, you've got this all backwards and upside down. In fact, dropping down to verse 41, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. In the words of author Leonard Sweet, instead of congratulating John on protecting the sanctity and exclusivity of discipleship, Jesus opens the door to any and all, even declaring that just an insignificant act of kindness, giving out a cup of cold water, if done in his name, was enough to make the giver a disciple, one who could share in the reward of the kingdom of God. We could say, to, to take the quote from, from Rabbi Israel, we could turn that a little bit and say the togetherness that Jesus proposes for his disciples is one that takes account of our differences. The church will be built precisely because of our differences. It is the unique nature of each community. Right? It, it, it is, it is Vayehi, right? It is your life and mine, all bound up together in all of our, in all of our differentness. We see that in the words of Paul. Paul writing to those in 1 first, in first Corinthians, Paul writing to those in Corinth. This is a, a familiar passage to many of us. This is a an ancient fable, an ancient analogy. We've really gotten into the, to the deep with this passage in the past, but today I just, I just want to read it to us, and I want us to reflect in, in terms of that idea of unity in the midst of, of difference. And, and notice Paul, just sit with this, just as a body, he writes, chapter 12, verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. All its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. And then it's interesting, he presses in that idea of differentness, right? He says, whether Jew or Gentile. And so speaking of, of ethnic differences, our ethnic differentness. He goes on slave or free. And so, so speaking maybe of, of social distinction, social differentness. In Galatians, he, he mentions male and female, right? And so he gets into gender. 
each one of us can probably think of a handful of others. Right in our world today, Republican and Democrat. Right, I know it's not the season for it, but ducks, beavers. Right, we can all probably think of, of some more. Even so, even so, right, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male, female, Republican, Democrat, beaver, duck. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In other words, bound together, right? We are bound together in our differentness, right? As it was for the 12 sons, as it was for the tribes of Israel, so it is with you and me, right? This idea that we are bound together, even or maybe especially in the midst of our, of our differentness. Paul continues from verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? We could say if the whole body were a Michelle, where would Ken be? Right, if the whole body were a Ruth, where would Shane be? If the whole body were a Ron, where would Gail be? Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. The Michelles and the Kens, the Rons, the Gales, the Ruths, the Shanes, each and every one of us, God has in fact placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted them to be. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Rather, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, in all of your differentness, is a part. Author and scholar N.T. Wright, he says, Paul's point is that social, cultural, ethnic, and even gender distinctions are as nothing compared to the new life in which, through the gospel, all Christians are brought together into one. which, as it always does, leads us to consider, to reflect. You know, is that true for us? Is this true for us? Do we, do we see our lives as inextricably bound to one another? Not just on a Sunday morning when we're all gathered, but 24-7, 365, do we, do we see our lives as inextricably bound together? Do we value and embrace one another in our differentness? To use the words of Rabbi Israel, do we take account and appreciate the perspectives, the, the viewpoints of others? As Jacob said, gather around and listen. Do we listen to one another? Do we recognize our need for the one who is different from me? And then with that, we could ask, how will I participate in this expression of community life? How is God calling me to, to participate in this 
expression of community life. Now, we are all no doubt aware of the many ways that that our differentness can lead to disagreements, to division. And pretty soon we can pretty quickly become at odds with one another. Which is why I think it's interesting that following the death of Jacob, we read, again from Parsha Vayahi, 15 and 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. Point being, at the, at the heart of this life, at the, at the heart of our, our being inextricably bound together, at the very center is, is forgiveness, is the way of forgiveness, is the heartbeat of forgiveness. Right? Because we won't see eye to eye on everything. We won't agree. We'll step on each other's toes. Right? We'll say things, we won't say things, we'll do things, we won't do things. And yet it's in the midst of all of that that the story reminds us that, that at the very heart and center of our boundedness is the way of forgiveness. Again, we see this notably with Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 18, this is where Peter comes to Jesus and he asks him simply, how many times do I have to do this thing called forgiveness? In verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. That can also be translated 70 times seven, which I think is the better. I think much of Jewish scholarship agrees with me. Partly because Hebrew is an alphanumeric and so each word has a, it has a value. And so 70 times 7 being 490 is the Hebrew word tamim. Tamim means complete or finished. It can mean wholehearted. In effect, Jesus is saying, you know, this isn't about a number. This isn't just simply Peter. This, this isn't just a, a, about a number, right? In, in, in answering Peter, he invites Peter to, to, to go deeper, right? D deeper than just the act of forgiveness. And he says, no, forgiveness is about the attitude and the posture of your heart. And in the same way, maybe that, that servanthood, right? The posture of servanthood is at the center of our intimacy. Right? In, in, in the same way, we could say, the attitude and posture of forgiveness is at the heart of community. And so as we consider our bound up life together, as we value and, and embrace our differentness, as we, as we recognize and, and practice this, this expression of community, 
then we need to also ask, will we embrace, will we embrace this attitude and posture of forgiveness? Will we go the way of forgiveness? Not as a number, not as a how many times, but at the, at the very deep. Will we embrace the attitude and posture of forgiveness? Vayehi, Jacob lived. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, gather around, assemble, and listen, sons of Jacob, now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God your father.